Well, if we were writing a brochure to promote the beauty of being a part of the church and we were trying to sell people on being part of God's people, 1st and 2nd Corinthians would not be good material. These letters from the Apostle Paul reveal the problems and the pain and the downright ugliness that can happen in churches. Much of God's big story, particularly in the New Testament, is told in letters. Uh, Most of the letters in the New Testament portion of the Bible were written by the Apostle Paul. By the way, Apostle was not a name, it was a title. It means one who is sent, uh, kind of like our term ambassador. Paul was sent by God to proclaim the gospel and the good news. He was an apostle. And he would go to some place and he would preach the gospel and people would come to believe and he would form a church and he would find leaders to nurture it and to lead it. And then Paul would go off into new frontiers. But he would keep in touch with those people and guide them and instruct them by writing letters. Perhaps no church took more of Paul's time and sweat and energy than the Corinthians. Now, last week, Jamie White preached on all the issues that made the churches in Corinth so complicated and messy. The division that was in that church, uh, spiritual power plays, sexual immorality, including incest, abuse of the Lord's Supper. Um, misunderstandings about things like speaking in tongues and prophecy, doubts about the resurrection. Churches can be wonderful places. Churches can be life-giving, soul-strengthening places. Churches can be communities where worship is rich and we're able to use our gifts to serve others and to do God's work and where we give and where we receive support and love. Churches can also be complicated places where we feel let down, maybe discouraged, or where we feel that everything out there is also in here. Twice a year, I teach our introduction to MOPC class. As I talked about, we have one coming up, and um, it's for people who want to make a commitment to this church. They want to become a part of this community formally and join And one of the things I say every class, sometimes more than once in that class, is that we, while we hope your experience here has been positive, will continue to be positive, that you will be here as long as you're in the area, uh, and, and that you will be strengthened by the ministry of this church, I make clear, we are not a perfect church. We are not a perfect church. Hang around long enough, I say, and get involved, and at some point you will get offended or you will offend. You will be disappointed or you will disappoint someone, and you will find some problems. You know what? There are no perfect churches. And you know why there's no perfect churches? Because churches are filled with people, and people aren't perfect. Even people of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every congregation is full of sinners. And, and to make it even worse, every congregation is led by pastors who are sinners. Now you add all that up, 
Now, to be sure, if a church is filled with people who are truly seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and they're living by his spirit and they are embodying those values of love and grace and peace, it's going to be a healthy place. If the gospel, if the cross, if the word of God is being lived and proclaimed and taken seriously, more times than not, a church is going to be a community uh, that is wonderful. But even wonderful communities have holes and weaknesses. Even the healthiest churches are not perfect. Churches can be complicated places. And Paul's letters to the Corinthians speaks to this. Now, we have more about the Corinthians and to the Corinthians in our Bibles than any other church. Look at how many pages our New Testament takes up to the Corinthians. And this isn't even everything Paul wrote to them. We are pretty sure there are at least four letters Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We have two of them. In 1 Corinthians, our 1 Corinthians, he refers to a letter that he has already written to them. We don't have that. Don't know where it went. So that was the first letter. Our 1 Corinthians was the second letter. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul refers to a letter that was probably written in between our 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, making our 2 Corinthians that we read this morning is the fourth letter that he wrote to them. Paul spent a lot of time on the Corinthians because they were complicated. Can you say high maintenance? And in both letters to the Corinthians, we see the tension between what churches are supposed to be and also how they can fail. The church in Corinth was kind of a paradox. Uh, a man named Krish Candia, he's the president of London School of Theology, he put it this way. He said, the paradox in the Corinthian church shows us that even in the best churches, there will be a disconnect between what the church is called to be and what the church actually is. There will be a disconnect between the lives that God deserves from us and the lives that we actually give him. And there will be a disconnect between the character of God and the character of his people. Even in the earliest churches, those that were closest to the time of Christ, they were led by an apostle. There was, they were already falling short. And he says, the fact that so close to the time of Jesus himself, so soon after the miraculous explosion of the church across the Near East, this church in Corinth has so much wrong with it. It demonstrates such a degree of dysfunction in its communal life that it must surely quash the myth that dysfunction won't be seen in our churches today. I think quash, by the way, is a, it must be a word that British people use because I've never heard that word before. If you're British, maybe you know that word. But it's a myth to think that churches aren't going to have issues. And if those closest to the time of Jesus did, maybe others will too. Of the 13 letters we have from Paul, 2 Corinthians is his most personal. Paul expresses more of his personal struggles and his frustrations. It's a very emotional letter. And we can pick up hints of how things have been going between Paul and these people as we read the letter. Paul refers to the pain of his first visit to them. Ooh, that's not good. He refers to how his first letter made them grieve. That's not good. He expresses his frustration that other people come and preach another Jesus than the one that he preached to them and that Timothy preached to them, and, and they buy it. They don't question it. They just... They go ahead and believe whatever those people say. 
And he says that if he has to, he'll come and he can be tough if he has to. Don't make me come and be tough, he says. A complicated relationship. And yet with all the heartache and with all the struggle, Paul is, several times he speaks of his love for them. And he says, my heart is yours and I am with you through thick and thin. Whatever may come, I'm with you. Paul writes because he wants to see them clear on Jesus. Paul writes because he wants them to live their faith. Paul wants them clear on the gospel and he wants to see them prosper in their faith. And by the time he writes 2 Corinthians, actually the people have come a long way from where they were and what he had to write to them about in 1 Corinthians. There's been repentance. There's been change. But there were still issues. And at this time, the biggest issue was that a significant group of people, the Corinthians, had come under the influence of some people that Paul facetiously called, facetiously called, super apostles or so-called apostles. These super apostles apparently came showing and bragging about how successful they were, putting on quite a show, telling everyone in Corinth what a loser Paul was and how special they were. And if Paul sounds a little boastful, someone told me a couple weeks ago, they said, you know, Phil, I've been reading 2 Corinthians. Paul's really bragging about himself. What the, the reason Paul, he is boastful, because, and he's trying to toot his own horn reluctantly because, and he even apologizes for being boastful. He says, I'm a fool for doing this. But he wants the Corinthians to realize the danger in these super apostles. These super apostles emptied the gospel of the cross. They preached the easy way. They promoted prosperity with Jesus, but no troubles with Jesus. They were even perhaps able to do various spiritual signs and wonders. And, you know, spiritual signs and wonders in themselves are not automatically a sign of the power of God. They can be done from evil influences, too. Jesus even said that there will be people who do great things, but not always for the right reasons and not necessarily because of God. So Paul says, Paul says these super apostles are bringing from Satan. They're masquerading as angels of light. And he tries to convince the believers in Corinth that, hey, we... Me and Timothy, he says, we're sincere. And he says, what we proclaim and why we proclaim it, it comes from a pure heart. We truly care about you. But he points out these others are only trying to exploit them. And it's he and Timothy that are truly concerned for their spiritual health and their relationship with Christ. Paul has been arrested. Paul has been beaten. Paul has been, he suffered tremendously. And these super apostles have apparently tried to take advantage of that by pointing to him as a failure. Paul is trying to show that it is in his trials, though. It's in those trials. It's in those weaknesses. It's in that suffering that Christ is really seen. One of the things I like about 2 Corinthians is that Paul writes about his own struggles and his own weaknesses. Someone once said, miracles show me the saint. But they don't show me how he became a saint. And that is what I want to see. 
tell me what was churning in his soul as, as he battled his way up from selfishness and the allurements of sin to the great heart of God. Second Corinthians shows something of the battle that made Paul, I think, the apostle, the Christian, the man that he was. This is a book of the Bible that can be an encouragement to us in our struggles, in our faith, and in our weakness. In the struggles of our faith and in our weakness. Paul shares of his own experience and part of it, what he calls, and he said he had this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was. We don't know, no details given about it. But he asked God to take it away from him. Have you ever had a problem? And you ask God to take it away from you time and time again, and it never happens. Paul writes this. He said, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Are you kidding me? That is so different than the way I operate. I don't know about you. That's so different, I think, than the way most of us think and operate. But what an encouragement to know that when the road is uphill and when we're going through it and our strength to walk the faith is so small that God's grace is bigger still and is all we need. God can take our weaknesses. He can demonstrate his power. He doesn't build a wall around us to protect us from all harm, but he does surround us with grace, which transforms even the most difficult experiences. Keeping faith can be a struggle. You know that line, we walk by faith, not by sight? Have you heard that? It comes from 2 Corinthians. This is a great book for faith that is under pressure. Paul was being attacked. Paul was being doubted. Paul was being accused. And the weight of carrying the cross of Christ, it was nothing new to him. And he never denies that it caused him great mental, emotional, even sometimes physical pain. I think that's going to be true for any Christian who wants to glorify Christ in our lives. There's going to be times. The person who's experiencing hardship for your faith. The one who stands alone as a Christian, maybe in his or her family, with your spouse, with your co-workers. The one who's felt the cost of following Christ and has been worn down by the battle can be encouraged by so much of what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It doesn't feel good when we're in the frying pan. It's not pleasant. But when we're being squeezed, when we're at a loss of knowing what to do, when it feels like the enemy is chasing us, when we have been knocked down and we are on the canvas, 
Jesus' life can be more real and powerful in us than we ever imagined. In 2 Corinthians, the Christian struggle is real. It is laid out. It is openly admitted. And the struggle of faith does not disqualify us from life or relationship with Jesus. Rather, it is part of the process of becoming like him. Becoming what he wants us to be. Christian faith is not, well, if you follow Jesus, it'll be smooth sailing. Christian faith, in one way or another, is going to be a costly enterprise. I think that's why Jesus said, he says, before you follow me, count the cost. Churches are not always smooth sailing. As I said earlier, even even the healthiest, even the best churches can have blemishes, can have cracks. And if you're sailing across the ocean, let's say you want to sail across the ocean. And your goal is to avoid the bad weather and the waves. Why are you sailing? Because you have to embrace sailing means you can't control all the elements. And there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And whatever comes, you deal with it because your goal is to eventually get to the destination. You're not able to control exactly how you're going to get there. If your goal is to face no struggle or adversity, then don't get in the boat. That analogy, I'm applying it to churches, which interestingly, early Christians symbolized by a boat. They used a boat as a symbol of communities of faith. When you get in the boat, you will find the sailing is not always smooth. And we see that in Corinth. They experienced some bad weather. One time, someone asked a, a, a very experienced pastor who's been doing it a long time, been at a, a, his church a long time. He said, well, what do you like best about leading your church? What do you like best about pastoring? And he said, the mess. The mess. And afterwards, he said, I don't even know why I said that. He said, I don't even like the mess. I don't know what made me say that. I don't know what Paul would have said, but he saw all the mess. And instead of denying it, instead of running from it, instead of going into a spiritual pout, he worked and he served and he wrote letters to work in and through the mess. God's big story is that God chooses to work through his church with all its weakness, with all its foible, with all its mess. And when you're part of the church, you're in that story. And as I read 2 Corinthians, I see this message. Churches can be complicated. Being part of the body of Christ is about hanging in there with those complications. It's about hanging in there through the good and the bad, the blessings and the pain, the victories and the trials, and hanging in there with one another. It's not always roses, but through the Holy Spirit, God is doing something through his people. He's doing something here. Read other letters now, and we will, and the church looks a lot better than it does in Corinth. I guarantee you, it'll get better. But get over the myth that the church is never going to, never going to be disappointed at some point. And let's become mature enough. 
and have enough grace and wisdom in our lives to be able to love and to nurture the community that we find ourselves in with with all its imperfections. Because you know what? Christ loves the church. He loves the church. He died for it. And he loves us. And he died for us. And you and I are his church. So let's love it too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, help churches everywhere to honor you. Where we are broken, heal us. Where we have strayed, draw us back. And where we feel frustrated and disappointed, help us to respond with mature patience and love. And help us to keep the faith. And help us to rely on your grace to make us strong. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.